Hey there and welcome to Media, the podcast for students and teachers where we talk about VCE media and media education in general. My name is Brett Lamb and in this episode we're at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image speaking to a very special guest, Liz Meiberg, whose film... Uh, her documentary, A Ball of Clay, was selected for Top Screen 2019. Um, welcome, Liz. And we're also joined by a whole bunch of other very exceptional students. We have uh, my Year 12 class here as well, and I know they've got some questions that they want to ask you today, Liz. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, we've just been in to see uh, Top Screen 2019, followed by a panel discussion with some of the filmmakers, including yourself. Can I ask you, what was your favourite film? My favourite film was The Paper Caper. That's, that's kind of a cool and fun um, movie. Uh, it's basically about a whole bunch of kids who steal some exam papers from their school. It's got four characters. Uh, it's entirely shot at school and I think it's a demonstration of what you can do um, just with a really simple idea um, and, you know, at school. I think it's, it's fantastic. So we're here to find out a little bit more about your documentary today. Uh, I guess my first question is... Um, you've made this documentary about uh, ceramic artist Alistair White. Was that your first idea, really? Was that your only idea, or did you play around with other concepts? No, so I was inspired by the last year's EDSC student that got into top screen, and she also did a documentary about an artist, and I was inspired to do maybe some sort of documentary style, and I was looking around what was available to me to access efficiently and quickly and to be able to do it within a certain amount of time and still be able to be creative so I stuck with my artist Alistair White. I also came up with a podcast idea and a couple of creative other more story-based ideas as well but I decided to stick with that as it would still be unique in its own and he was a very interesting person to me. Yeah, there's a couple of things there that I like about the selection of your ideas. First of all, you've picked something that you're incredibly um, passionate about because I know you mm -hmm. love art and you're a very visual and creative person. Um, so obviously that worked. Yeah. And the other thing that I like about it is the subject matter as well. I think he's a really incredible guy who, who has lived and has all of this experience and that comes out in the documentary. So I think the subject you picked um, was really wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, my next question is all around the research portfolio that we do um, in VCE Media. So one of the things my class is actually about to start on Monday is the research portfolio where they have to investigate a whole bunch of things that will inspire their production. Uh, what are the sort of things that you researched in the lead up to making your doco? So I did the basic codes and conventions of documentaries, looking at that, seeing what would be um, valuable for my film and would be for my film and things that I would leave out and weren't as important to my film and the way that I want to shoot it. And then I looked as well more specifically at how other art documentaries were shot and the way that they portrayed artists in the work and doing so respectfully and getting it all to kind of match up but still be unique in its own way. Were there any particular documentaries that you looked at and sort of took apart? Yeah, so I looked at the ABC Fantastic Creatures um, art documentary and I really loved how they used the 50mm lens and focused on not just the artwork of the lady but also her story behind it and the family and how she struggles with art and normal stable life as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. So for everyone here, um, as you know, you've developed your ideas, 
go and find out those things that are really going to inform your production and um, look at and take apart those products uh, that will help you uh, make the, I guess, the style and genre of film that you've selected. My next question is, I think, a really important one. So once you've settled on an idea, you've done a bit of research, so you've worked out the, the style um, that you're working in, can you tell us a bit about your production experiments? Because um, in VCE Media, you can do really as many production exper experiments as you like. It usually ends up being only two or three, though. Um, so what yep. did you do um, to practice and develop skill? So for mine, I did my first uh, production experiment as the shooting of my film and like having a look at how I would go about shooting, the setup, have a look at the different techniques with lighting and sound I can use and um, to see how to, well, how to use the camera basically and explore that. And then the second one I did was editing and looking at some mistakes I might have made in shooting the film and what I could have fixed in post-production and then realizing that B-roll is, you need a lot of it. And that was... Main yeah, point. that's yeah. so important for doco people. You know, you mm -hmm. need, you know, think about how much footage you think you need and then triple that because when you're editing, you're like, I need an extra shot just to fill this gap or to cover up this thing. So always mm -hmm. get more than you need. And for narrative people as well, if you're making a short film, shoot as much coverage as, of, of a scene as you possibly can. Um, it's really important. Obviously, these exercises were really important in developing your uh, sense of composition and how to conduct an interview and record sound and cut it all together. When it comes to the planning, how do you plan for a documentary? So the documentary, um, I did a pre-interview with my subject and had him like give me a rough idea of how he would answer certain questions and the topics he'd like to touch on. And that kind of helped me when shooting to look at what b-roll I need to get to line up the subject of what he's talking about with the b-roll so it all aligns and makes sense and it's not just random b-roll chucked in there. Yeah a lot of people who come to me saying that they want to make a documentary tell me that they can't possibly do a shot list or storyboard because they don't know what the subject's going to talk about. Mm. Um, so that approach you took of doing a pre-interview you know asking him a bunch of questions I think is genius because then you know and you know the sort of footage you've got to get so you've got much more of an idea of what you need to shoot when you're out there on location. So when it comes to actual production um, how long did it take you to shoot this? It took me three days but it was over three weekends so I had a nice week break in between each week and that helped me to look over my footage and edit as I go to make sure that if there's any mistakes or or anything I missed or anything I'd like to change, I have that opportunity to then change it. So what was it like working with Alistair and interviewing him? Alistair's an amazing person. He's got a really strong personality. Um, he talks a lot, so that, <laughs> yeah. that really uh, made editing take a long time. But he's such an interesting person and he had so much to talk about. It was hard to select what, what to cut out to make the film still to the point of my idea of the film being more about his work um, but still giving that personal like details in because they contributed to his work and the story behind his work. Uh, you've already alluded to the sheer amount of b-roll that you captured when you were out on location. One of the things I love about Liz's film is the fact that she has these these beautiful handheld shots of um, you know the pottery and the work and the kilns uh, with that gorgeous shallow depth of field from the 50mm uh, f1.4 lens, uh, which I think looks um, absolutely gorgeous. How much interview material did you have? Can you give us an estimate? Um, my interview was 
I think about 10 to 15 minutes long. I cut it back to about four minutes of interview and the rest is all B-roll. Um, so the film's two minutes B-roll, but the B-roll overlaps the audio as well. So it, it's just how it's set out, yeah. Um, so one of the questions that um, I guess people often ask is how do you balance the production of this film and the editing of this documentary with your other classes and your subjects in VCE. How did you manage that? So shooting, we had the holidays to do it, but also I went into one week into school as well to just get that final day of shooting. But with editing in between, even just if you can't edit at home and you just look through the footage and make notes or even as you're shooting, realizing things that need to change, that helps. It helps you to manage more of your editing time and production time so because you have a set amount of time to shoot you really have to look at what is necessary that you need to get and get all those like things you really need first and then go in and do the extra stuff and get extra b-roll and all that stuff you can do later on if you've got extra time one of the really i think terrific things about vcu media is you're required to finish your film and then get feedback on it. So uh, with Liz's film, uh, she screened it in front of the class. Uh, she got pe uh, feedback from her teacher and her peers. How did that help you sort of bring together this project? So with the feedback, it really helped me to other people to give me feedback about um, the noise and like looking at if I needed to add music or not and get their opinion on it. Also helped if because they picked up some shots that didn't work or didn't look quite right and that I didn't pick up myself so they helped me to like change that and stuff. Everyone hated my font drastically. I stuck to a similar-ish font. No one liked it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. And one of the interesting things I think about your film is the way it transformed from that first cut to the final cut. Uh, did you take bits out? Did you reorganize it? Yes, yeah, so I did cut down um, a few shots of my film and I also um, did rearrange some things that people said um, didn't match up, so I rearranged some of the footage to make more sense. I also cut out a whole interview scene because um, my audio was caught on the camera mic because the lapel wasn't on while I was shooting it, so I took that whole scene out and replaced it with more B-roll and another interview. Yeah, and I think those decisions really did help to kind of clarify and, and um, make the story more concise and I think a bit more engaging as well. So I think that process was really valuable. Um, so when it comes to advice for VCU Media students, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to these wonderful people around us today, what would it be? Be patient with your film. Make sure it's an idea you won't get bored of very quickly. Um, think realistically how much time you will have to spend shooting and take time to um, to really think about maybe taking the extra time to use a tripod instead of handheld so you don't have to warp stabilize every b-roll because your hand's shaking okay cold. you know what when I watch your film what I love about it is that nice handheld aesthetic and I think you did well with the handheld shots because it's something that is really hard to do I think you did a good job but um, in some cases the warp stabilizer can save you when you are a bit shaky yeah 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 uh, can I ask another question I think it's something that a lot of VCE meter students wonder about how much money did you spend on your film 
I didn't spend any money on my film directly. I did spend money on petrol and food to just feed people. <laughs> okay, know? so it was essentially a zero-budget film. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I've got... Now we've got some time for some questions from our wonderful Year 12 students. What's the most important part of pre-production? Pre-production? Um, the most important part for me was planning out um, more of the time constraints that I have and how I'm going to work around that but also to just give me a more clear idea of what I want my film to be and how I will achieve a certain aesthetic to make sure that I'm googling like techniques in post-production and in production to just give my film that extra little oomph professional look. That was an awesome question Michael. Other questions? Um, How did you get to know Alistair? I'm very involved in the pottery art area because my mum's a very known potter, I would say. Um, so we, I've gone to, and helped out a lot of expos and exhibitions and like there's a lot of like dinners and stuff they do and also the Australian Potter Association and there's like a little week trip they take up to Golgong and I've gone along to that and I met him through a lot of those things just very briefly a few times but um, I met him again at an expo and he was telling me a story the story of um, his work and how he changed his style from studying here to studying in Japan and I asked him later on when I knew that I was doing this film I was like is it alright if I do this with you because you really intrigue me and he was more than happy to and he was this like really happy that his story was going to get out in a certain way. Is there anything that you regret not doing or you wished uh, you took more consideration and time in thinking about? Yeah, so a lot of um, the setup of the interviews and um, doing B-roll, it's nice to have handheld, but some of the shots I really think I could have taken more time to set up a tripod because don't think it would have been as possible but he because he moves around a lot and you kind of just have to follow and catch what you can but in some shots I feel like I could have just taken that extra time just to make it look more seamless but other than that I don't regret anything yeah one of the things that I love is how you manage that so for those people doing a documentary and considering that it's a very difficult thing to be on location and to have a subject moving around and not necessarily following your direction. You know, he's, he's got things that he needs to be doing and you have to catch that action somehow. So it's a really difficult thing. And uh, you were speaking earlier about the, the spontaneity that requires. So sometimes you were thinking about shots or shots would present themselves as you were shooting. Yeah. So it was hard to set down B-roll, but he kind of gave me an idea of what he was going to do in the day so I could give like rough ideas in my head of okay maybe I should get like a far shot and maybe if he's doing something here I can maybe get a close-up of that so it was very it was very spontaneous and although you regret kind of maybe not using the tripod more um, I really do like that look and I shot something recently and ended up using a tripod a lot and it looks really static and it looks really uh, I regret to say it lifeless Uh, whereas yours has has um, you know this real uh, movement to it. Um, yeah. It feels it feels organic and real, um, much like the pottery. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, any other questions? What did you do to ensure that you could engage your audience throughout the entire documentary? 
So with documentaries, it's good to have pauses between some, like, phrases of ideas that he's talking about. I didn't do that in the first rough cut, and a lot of people pointed out to me that they were just, like, losing him because there was not no pause in between to give them, like, a rest and to continue engaging. And also to make sure that um, the shots are different and not just, like one like set of standard shots that you've got and you're just replaying them so making sure that the content of the shots are valuable to the script and making sure that they are different and continue to change so people don't get bored of the same things. It's one of the things that we actually observed about quite a few of the documentaries last year that the ideas were presented sort of one after the other and it was it was very felt very claustrophobic and I think that's probably a weakness in my teaching more than anything but then everyone in their recuts gave it more time so you'd hear Alistair talking about one aspect of his life or of the the work and then there was a bit of time for that to settle in you'd see some b-roll and then you'd move on to the next thing so I, I really liked that in the second cut I think it made it breathe a bit more um, how did you make time for editing considering you had other classes and other things to do? Yeah, so luckily um, it was kind of the submission dates do kind of sometimes meet up with other subjects and you just have to make sure that um, you can literally spend 10 minutes just setting up the computer because it will take too long to load and you're just sitting there and you're thinking, oh, I have to leave because of work or everything. But even just coming in on a recess or continuing into a lunchtime after class just really helps to just bump out that like extra little bit that you can get and then it helps to have a couple days break between editing as well because it gives you fresh eyes and makes you maybe see things you didn't see before so with workload you really got to think about how much time you're spending shooting and then how much time you've given to edit and then think about making sure to space it that you still have time to go to work spend other time in subjects yeah, Liz was one of those students who really took the opportunity, every opportunity to be in there after school working and all of those sorts of things, which was yeah. really wonderful and fantastic. What's a hot tip you would give, like as a general tip you would give to anyone who's making a film this year? To everyone who's making a film this year, I would say just think outside the box a little bit. Not all advice people will give you will be helpful or you won't really like it and you kind of have to stick to your own idea and just make sure to still not just base it off other people's opinions and be creative in your own way with your film yeah yeah so be be bold yeah. with your storytelling yeah. it can uh, be simple but you can add little bold things in it just to make it be that little bit extra yeah how long did you spend in pre-production production and post-production like can you give it like a ratio or like Okay, so production I spent three days, but they were like from nine in the morning till about three in the afternoon. They were very short. Um, Pre-production kind of varied because I spent a lot of, we had a lot of class time for it. And um, so I spent most of my class, but then I used it more for asking Mr. Lamb for his advice on what should I look at and like things maybe I should consider in my pre-production and then just spending like 10 minutes at home just like looking at a YouTube video and then just going, oh, I like that and making a note of it and chucking it in there and then spending like an hour and a half just putting everything together, typing it up nicely and just putting it together. Um, Post-production, I'm not sure how long I spent on it. I spent a lot of time on post-production, but that's just 
me but compared to I also did studio arts compared to that it's a you really don't need as much time but it's good to when you do sit there editing to be focused and that helps you to just get it over quicker rather than spending it talking to other people when you are there you can cut down your time just by spending 20 minutes just focusing and you'll get like 40 minutes worth of time done than you would if you were distracted with other things yeah how often did you ask for um for help from other people and in particular mr lamb okay so with other people i got them to first of all i would when i was making my rough cut i had them listen to it a few times as I'm putting b-roll in and getting their um, advice on which b-roll to put in and then later on with my rough cut we got advice back then and as I was fixing things I would ask people to like just quickly watch this and see if it looked better or worse and just like kind of I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder the whole time but I think I got someone to look through my film three different people to look through my film right before I handed it in just to see if they noticed anything that last minute needed to be changed. With Mr. Lamb, um, I asked him for help with advice in shooting, in tackling some things and to understand certain things. So he was good for that stuff. Um, also for some ideas that he had um, and asking him with my b-roll because I had the struggle with that asking if he had any tips to like smoothing things out or editing if I forgot how to do something he's good to ask for that stuff so yeah I think one of the things that bears mentioning as well is that Alistair's led such a a, a rich life and he has to, so much to say Liz really did have a lot of content to edit and taking you know those stories and and putting them into the order that you've had was quite you know because he was really just speaking off the cuff you know he'd answer a question but then he'd uh, you know recount other stories and you had a wealth of material but yeah. crafting that into a really tight and coherent story I yeah. think was very challenging for you yeah and it's hard to edit something out when you think oh this is funny or this shows his personality but you've got to stay on topic and that's really hard as well especially if someone like him is such a big personality and just continues talking so it's like he'll talk answer the question but then start going off track and then go back to the question so it's like you, it's very hard to like edit it out and rearrange and it i think when you're you know liz has mentioned the importance of showing it to other people in the process of doing that they're um, often more objective about the material that needs to come out because I think when you interview someone like that you, you become quite close to them and all of the material was good Yeah. and you have to be quite ruthless in that edit which yeah. sounds a little bit sad but um, I think th that those final stages of editing where you were ruthless and you did take yeah. out the bits that didn't quite work and you shaped it into this yeah. uh, really compelling story about an amazing man yeah. I think uh, it's a real testament to your uh, yeah. hard work and uh, yeah your your success as a documentarian yeah. and even asking other students as well and teachers that aren't media students or teachers because they might like realize something that you might not have or you don't think is as big as a deal but they'll be like oh I noticed that and it's like oh okay so pe people who aren't media students might notice that or might think it's weird that that's in there so yeah so my final question before we wrap up is has Alistair seen the documentary yeah, I um, sent it to him over a link and I we went and watched it together at his house and 
so he he said he quite enjoyed it he said oh, i should have kept the story about the washing machine in because <laughs> he, he that's how he met his wife he um she washed his clothes because she was sick of the communal washing machine being full of clay yeah <laughs> okay yeah no that's uh it it was a very difficult story i think to to weave yeah. in there so um i think it's an amazing documentary and a, a wonderful testament to uh, such a creative and talented man uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Media. If you'd like to read more about BC Media, head over to www.lessonbucket.com. Uh, a very big thanks to Lizzie for joining us today. Thanks thank so much. You. Thank you very much.